Welcome to The Hormone Suite, where we talk about all things hormonal and how our hormones can positively or negatively govern our lives. We examine the intersection between our external and internal environments and empower you to become hormonally literate. This podcast was created to demystify and destigmatize hormones so that you can become part of a new generation of people who are the masters of their own health. I'm Talia Minot. And I'm Gemma Martin. And we're very excited for you to join us on this journey. Hello, and welcome to the Hormone Suite. This week's episode of our podcast is proudly sponsored by the Hormone Suite Clinic, your one-stop shop for all things hormonal. Hi, Talia. How are you going today? Good, Gem. How are you? I'm great. I'm at day three of my menstrual cycle. I've had a great sleep. I've had a run and a coffee this morning, so I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. And if I'm talking too fast, I apologize. I'm quite excited. Oh, we're kind of in a similar phase. So I am just about to ovulate. So I'm also in that like feeling good. Like let's do some brainstorming. Let's get things done. So nice time to be recording. Great to be in synchronicity with you too. That's so nice when that happens. Yeah. So do you want to share your hormonal hails and fails this week? Yeah, I will. My hormonal hail is sort of a hormonal hail, but it's really like a a bit of a parenting hail that's coincided with the struggly part of my menstrual cycle. If you've listened to the podcast before, you would have heard me talk about how for me, the premenstrual period is where I'm really challenged. And when PMS is on, um, parenting is also a really big challenge. I feel like my kids go through PMS with me each cycle. And I suppose because I'm a naturopath, my inclination is to take herbs and take some extra magnesium and, you know, do, do my Epsom salts baths and do more yoga and really like get into all of the things that are outside of me that I can change my physiology with to assist with my hormones and those things have been helping but you know there's always more and I think this month I just went really internal and I went through this really big compassion breathwork session with myself and really sort of examined some of my parenting patterns and inherited patterns and went through this really deep healing process and it just completely dissipated any sort of anxiety that I was having. And it really carried me through that last week of my cycle before my bleed started with very, very little drama. And it was just such a a 180 for me to really go, the resources are actually inside me and to really harness those and work on those and, and realize that I carry those around with me all of the time. They don't always have to come in the form of herbs or or nutritional supplements. Although I do think for myself and for a lot of my patients, I notice that sometimes you need to utilize some of those gifts that we have in order to bring yourself down off the ledge enough to be able to make a decision to go into your breath work or go into your meditation or do the things that you need to do in order to self-nurture. So they're definitely useful, but they're not they're not everything, you know, and there's so much more going on inside. And so that was my real hormonal hail. Um, my fail is my fails are so embarrassing. <laughs> I always just feel like I'm sharing the most embarrassing parts of my life with 
everybody who's listening. (laughs) My fail would be that I've been using a menstrual cup and I'm going to be moving away from using a menstrual cup for a few reasons. But one of them is that sometimes they just feel like they get really lodged inside and I can't get it out. And so I'm squatting in the shower and I'm trying to get it out and it just feels really stuck. And I think, am I going to have to call my ex-partner to come over and (laughs) help me with this? Because I'm starting to get a bit nervous. And I think that suction that happens and there's some of the feelings that I get when I use a a menstrual cup just make me think this is not the right thing for me. And we've talked about this before. Mm. And I think we'll do a whole podcast on what we use in terms of dealing with our bleed and as well as contraception, the things that we put in our bodies that aren't food and how they affect our bodies and what the right things are. But for me, having that experience just made me think, okay, this is just not the right thing for me. I've really got to go towards some recyclable pads or period undies and choose something that doesn't quite feel so stuck inside my body it's kind of funny because I'm sure many people listening will be able to relate to just either with a tampon or a menstrual cup like having that one time and it is like that instant fear where you're like oh god I haven't thought about my ex-boyfriend dislodging it though I've (laughs) I've been like am I gonna have to go to the doctor and be like can you please get this out of me hilarious so my hormonal hail is very similar to yours. I have been practicing yoga for a very long time, but in the last few months, I've actually probably been doing a little bit more Pilates than I have yoga. And I I feel like my movement practice has been a little bit more intense. And so these last few weeks, I've actually been stepping back into my yoga practice a bit more. And also I've been doing a tiny bit of journaling, which is not really something I usually do. So just those really supportive, nurturing things for my mind. And I think that's been really lovely. And my fail, I just have really wanted to be able to have dairy and dairy is something that has been a trigger for me for many many years since I was a teenager so recently I found some raw milk and I was like right this is gonna work for me and I think I was really excited about it working for me and it hasn't so I think that's been my hormonal fail and I had quite a long cycle last cycle and I'm not 100% sure but I feel like it's probably because I was smashing the raw dairy (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And if you have that history of being a bit PCOS-y, then dairy is definitely a big one for that. So maybe it just pushed things out a little bit for you. And it's an unfortunate, but it's a good message to get. And a good test, you know, it's great to try these things every now and then and see how your body goes. But I'm like, okay, no, dairy's not for me. Bugger. Yeah. (laughs) So today we're going to chat about the preconception phase and It's really great because this is something now that we see in clinic quite often and five, six, seven years ago when we would have both been on our preconception journeys, it was really rarely spoken of, but now it's becoming much more common and for good reason. And I think this is something that a lot of people should actually think about. It's funny in the Western culture, I think that we talk about having the perfect body for our weddings and not many of us are thinking about the perfect bodies when we actually conceive a child. And I don't like the word perfect, so let's replace that with something else. But, you know, a healthy 
vibrant body for when we're actually conceiving a child. And there's reasons for this, obviously for conception itself, but also there's been studies to show that women who have a preconception journey are less likely to have issues with pregnancy and postpartum. Women or women and men? Good correction there. Women and men. Yeah. So couples doing preconception, a lot of couples who have historically been considered infertile, so they haven't been able to conceive within that first 12 months, when they go on a preconception care journey for three months or six months, they a lot of those people will actually fall pregnant naturally. That's because they're improving their overall health and the quality of their eggs and the quality of their sperm. So for them, infertility is actually probably not a reality. It's just that their bodies weren't in the right place in order to be able to achieve a healthy conception. Yeah, absolutely. So we like to see people at least six months preconception, but often we will get women that come, you know, and want to fall pregnant in the coming months. But my preconception journey for my first pregnancy was actually an 18 month journey. And I knew I had a lot of things going on. Like I had previously been diagnosed with PCOS and amenorrhea, dysmenorrhea, all the things. So I guess that's why that was a bit of a lengthy journey for me. And I'm pretty, health is my thing. So I was like, right, I want to get this right. We want to be seeing women and men for at least three months prior to their conception. Yeah. And I, a lot of people find that difficult, which I can totally understand. Most of the time we sort of go about our lives trying not to get pregnant, doing everything we can not to fall pregnant. And then when we want to have a baby, we're like, okay, ready, set, go now. Let's do it. Yeah. And people coming off the pill and they want to fall pregnant straight away and not realizing that their nutrients are depleted because they've been taking a pharmaceutical medication for the last 10, 15, however long years. And that's fair enough. I get that headspace a hundred percent, but the benefits of, you know, what do we say? Sharpen your axe. This is the axe sharpening time where if you can take that time out and three months minimum, yeah, like six months, fabulous, 18 months, you're really, you're really gone for it. (laughs) (laughs) Where that's the time that it takes for both the sperm and the egg to come to full maturation. So if those components that go into making the embryo and that are going to deliver the DNA to your next generation are bathed in chemicals and stress and poor nutrition and bad fats and electromagnetic frequency radiation, it's going to be a very different scenario to if they're bathed in fabulous nutrition, lots of antioxidant foods, stress reduction, avoidance of some of the chemicals that we know that can really impact fertility. We're going to be passing on very much better DNA and very much better health to the next generation. But also often it actually will shorten your conception journey. Yeah. So instead of spending 12 months just banging your head against the wall for lack of a better term, trying to fall pregnant. For some people, it is that that time where they take out the time, they really focus on their connection as a couple, they really focus on their nutrition, and then they fall pregnant a lot easier than if they didn't do that. And often it saves them a lot of money if they can avoid going down the IVF or the assisted reproductive technology pathway. Yeah, absolutely. So let's break that down in this episode. So you mentioned stress, and I think that is a really big one, mental fortitude for the preconception time. And you can go back and listen to the episode with Gemma and Emma, who is our mindfulness practitioner. She's our yoga and meditation practitioner. So obviously this is really her forte. 
But I think mental fortitude is really important for the preconception phase because it can be a phase of life that is quite stressful. So for me, I'm always recommending clients to do something that alleviates stress or stressful situations. You can't always alleviate stressful situations, but it's the way we react or respond to those situations. So I think it's a really beautiful time to find some tools that can really support stress in your life. And we live in the western world or for wherever you're listening like the world we live in right now there there is a lot going on so what are some of the things that you mentioned for clients to be doing for their stress well I definitely encourage my patients to do yoga Uh, I really love yoga as a preconception and throughout pregnancy and postnatally as well tool because it really gets you out of your head and into your body so Fertility is a time when you need to be really in your body, especially men and women. But I think especially for the woman, when we now have lots of busy jobs and really sort of in our heads and then we're sort of all of our energy is up above us. We really need to bring that right down into our body. And I feel like yoga, breath work is is just fabulous at doing that. Yeah. So my ones, I I think a big one that we often forget about and it's totally free is just being in nature a little bit more and even for those that are in the city like there's usually a beautiful park or botanical gardens or something or even just your backyard getting barefoot like actually like you said you know getting into your body more so connecting with like the earth just take your shoes off for a little bit or just lay down or make yourself a beautiful cup of tea and sit outside journaling is a really beautiful one and you can use journaling through your cycle as like moon mapping so you can be writing down how you're feeling every day just a a word or two maybe a little smiley face or a sad face whatever's going on for you just a way of just stopping and actually reflecting on how I'm feeling today absolutely I love that and I think it gives you such an opportunity to then respond to how you're feeling like I think so many of us are not we're responding to external stimuli all the time we're responding to a deadline or to social expectations or to family expectations and I think this is actually my other hormonal hail for the month was that after I'd gone through this period of giving myself a little bit more internal nurturing was that I actually really listened to myself you know I came and did a walk up Wollumbin and had a swim in your creek when normally I would go for a run on that day but my body just didn't feel it and you can't know that until you stop and ask your body yeah so the, the wisdom is there I think we need to well we don't need to do anything but it's beneficial to stop check in do that journaling think about if you're doing too much there's Mm. such an emphasis on achievement in our current society that for most of us I think we're just on a treadmill and we don't even know we don't even know what it feels like to stop slow down listen be in the body and I think just saying to yourself to your family to your work yeah I finish at five no I don't answer emails after work no, I'm not coming to that function. Say no, you know, because you're going to have to get used to it once you fall pregnant and you've got kids. <laughs> but it's such a great time to really to reduce the external stresses. Yeah, there's things we can't avoid, certainly, but there's heaps of stuff that we can avoid that we say yes to all the time because we're trying to please somebody else and it doesn't actually serve us internally. Yeah, absolutely. Great time to practice boundaries. And I think the last one, I really like mantras or gratitude practices, like particularly if you're feeling a bit stressed or 
a little bit flat. I think gratitude is a really beautiful thing and so simple to do. So first thing in the morning before you get out of bed, as soon as you wake up, whether you have children or not already, just stop, think about three things that you are grateful for. And if you do already have children, it's actually a really beautiful practice that we sometimes include into our dinner time. So we go around the table saying like, what are you grateful for? And it's really beautiful for little tots to reflect on as well. Sometimes there's some really hilarious things that come out of their mouth, which is great too. (laughs) That is so cute. I love that. It's really nice. Yeah. So when you're doing your mindfulness and when you're doing your journaling and when you're doing your gratitude, I think it's really important to listen to the way that you speak to yourself about your fertility as well. So quite often when I see patients who've been trying for a period of time, they can start to use language like, oh, if I fall pregnant or if this. And I'm always really conscious to speak to my patients about when the baby comes or when you get the positive pregnancy test. And you know, usually I'll have a pretty good understanding of whether I think they are a good candidate for natural fertility or, or for just falling pregnant before I use those words. But just being aware that we can start telling ourselves stories that are actually going to perpetuate that infertility journey as well or the fertility journey. So trying to use positive language, even if you have to write some things on your mirror that you see each day, that's like, I love my body, it's fertile, we're going to do this. I think those things actually go a really long way because sometimes the journey is long. My journey was really long with fertility and it can feel like a bit of a marathon. And so you you sometimes have to take breaks, but you also have to have some some people there cheering you along the side. And and sometimes that can just be your letters on the mirror or or your naturopath or whoever's helping you with your journey. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. So then let's break down one of the other things you chatted about initially, which was detoxing or removing specific things like chemicals and all that. So So this study was done in the US by a woman named Sarah. I can't recall her last name. And I will just never forget reading this seven plus years ago. And this is why I did such a big uh, preconception journey also. And she found, so she studied the umbilical cord and placenta and she found on average, and this is not to scare people, but just, you know, a reality check around 250 chemicals on average. And I remember reading that and thinking that is astounding. However, if we look at most women wearing conventional makeup and using conventional household products, I think by the time they've actually started their day a few hours in, they've already probably been exposed to around 150 chemicals. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, isn't it? Our homes are based in chemicals our perfumes, our laundry detergent, depending on what you're using. And, and I suppose, again, this is not to like shame anyone or make them feel bad about what their regime is. It's just to say there's actually ways to avoid a lot of these chemicals. So those chemicals that are in that baby's cord blood, some of them are unavoidable because they would be environmental, they'd be in the air, they'd be in the flooring in our homes, things that our cars, things that we we sort of have to be in. But a lot of those are actually 100% avoidable. And if we can do a really good detoxification program and toxin avoidance, so plastic avoidance prior to conception, then the baby is going to be born with a lot less of those chemicals in their system. And I think really what we're looking at now when we're having children is that their life expectancy is probably going to be lower than ours because of all of the chemicals that they're exposed to and the reduced nutrition of our food. But if we can do everything that we can prior to conception, as well as throughout the pregnancy, 
to reduce the exposure to those chemicals, we're going to be at least raising our children who have robust immune systems and are going to be able to face some of the challenges that they will see in their lifetimes that we probably don't even know about yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think not to be overwhelming, something that we always say to our patients is don't just go to your cupboard and throw out everything that you've got Go one by one. So finish the bottle and then go and get a natural product. Finish the bottle and then go and get a natural product. Because it can be really overwhelming to be like, oh my gosh, I've got to throw all that out and it's a waste. And what I love too, once you do actually go natural, obviously it's beneficial for baby hormones, all the things. But I actually find it a lot cheaper. In our house, we use vinegar and bicarb to clean most of the things rather than all these separate products for spraying on the bench, spraying on the fridge, spraying everywhere. So it, to me, is actually a much cheaper and more resourceful way of living. Yeah, definitely. Cheaper, easier, smells better, and it's healthier for you. At, at least if your kids get into your cleaning cupboard, the worst they can do is drink a little bit of white vinegar and some bicarb, you know? <laughs> Which has happened. I had a laugh about this. My youngest, who's now two, but when he was, I think it was around one, I used to often catch him because we would have a spray bottle of vinegar, often catch him squirting the vinegar into his mouth. And I was like, "Mm, not ideal. It's white vinegar. And then I reflected on my childhood and I was like, oh my gosh, I used to eat chips with white vinegar all the time. Can't be that bad. (laughs) How good are salt and vinegar chips though? (laughs) What else do you recommend? In the preconception phase, Talia, for your clients. So when we're talking, because we're just talking a little bit, I guess, about cleansing and all of that, dependent on how early they come and see us and when they want to conceive and also what's been going on in their lives, usually a little bit of gentle detoxing. And I want to just really emphasize the gentle in the preconception phase because it is a phase of building. And if we're doing really intense detoxification then we're going to be depleted of course so when i think of gentle detoxification it's mainly with the organs that are supporting the endocrine system so we're looking at the colon the kidneys and also the gut and liver sorry how can i forget the liver (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and this goes again, like I, I know we've said it, but just to re-emphasize, this is for both partners. It's really important with the gentle detoxing. And if I had a client recently who worked somewhere where she was exposed to a lot of metals. So if there's something like that going on, then we might need to do something a little bit more prescribed. But generally, it's quite gentle with those organs. Yeah, it's a really nice time to do a detox. And when you were talking before about how there are pre-wedding detoxes and the pre-wedding bodies, there's those pre-wedding detox programs that people offer. And it's just amazing. Like you say, like your body's got to look and feel great and your skin's got to be great for your one day of your wedding where your photos have got to look perfect or whatever it is. But then building a child is a lifetime situation and if that's not the time when you want to have the most squeaky clean body that you possibly can I don't know that's just it's it's insanity yeah when they talk about 
just reflecting on that, when they talk about postnatal depletion, which is kind of the new term coined by Dr. Oscar about what's going on in that postpartum time, that can go, they say, for up to 40 years, which is terrifying. But if you are really doing this work in your preconception phase, then you're really going to be supporting what is going to be going on in that postpartum time. Yeah, definitely. And I think my preconception journey went for a long time, mostly because I kept having miscarriages. And that's not funny. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh about that. But because I kept having miscarriages and I had a bit of an infertility journey or a low fertility journey, my preconception program went for about two years. And I wonder how much that carried me through my postnatal as well, because I just felt amazing. I couldn't get enough of it. I was like, this breastfeeding's amazing. I could do this all night. I feel great. My energy's great. My mood was pretty good. And so I wonder, I mean, I don't wonder. I think that the the two go hand in hand, like that work and energy that you put into your nutrition and to really building your body beforehand is going to carry you well into motherhood. And that's so important, especially if you think that you might have more than one child. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And so before we go on to the foods, is there anything else that you recommend with your patients that we might have missed? I, you know, I'm a blood testing little yes. gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to do a blood You're a screen. You're a lab guru. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I always like to do a little bit of a nutritional screen. So I'll have a look at things like your iron, your B12, your folate, your major nutrients that are needed for good, healthy pregnancy or good DNA production, good sperm and egg production. I look at iodine. They're the main things I think I usually look at and just make sure that everything's in good shape before conception begins and I always have a look at a semen analysis because I'm also a bit of a sperm um, gremlin I I don't have another word for it Can you talk a little bit to sperm health? Yeah. And we'll do a whole podcast on sperm because there's so much to talk about. And I don't think it's really covered enough. I think a lot of the time the preconception journey is really upheld by the woman and and often by often by the, the male partner as well. But it's it's sort of like fairly variable sometimes couples will come to see us or a woman will come to see us and we might not even ever see her partner when what we know is that fertility is a 50-50 game and sperm health really contributes to the health of the offspring obviously but paternal age has a big impact so always there's this emphasis on the woman's age once she's over 35 but it's the same for men as well just because they can keep creating sperm until they're 70 doesn't mean that it's good quality or that the increase in risk of birth defects and health outcomes, adverse health outcomes aren't also correlated with that advanced age in the male. Male nutrition is huge. Again, there's heaps of research around this. It may not be being conveyed all that well through public health messages or through maybe your mainstream medical channels, but the research is there. It's supporting a clean, healthy diet. It's supporting not having fried foods. It's supporting avoiding processed meats and red meat, high consumption of red meat. It's supporting having high omega-3 fatty acids. So these are all the types of things that we would go into in a preconception diet with both the male and the female or the sperm donor and the egg donor in in whatever situation you might have in your fertility journey is really boosting nutrition in these really key important areas and that is always for sperm health as well as egg health it is just a hundred percent and there's so much more for guys too you know it's like 
making sure that the sperm isn't getting too hot. So making sure that tight undies aren't being worn and bike riding is kept to a minimum, avoiding toxic chemicals. Things like golfing is really unfortunately pretty bad because there's heaps of heaps and heaps of fertilizers that they put onto the golf green. And so when you're reaching down and picking up your golf ball, you're getting exposed to that. So there's lots and lots of things for men that are really key for having good sperm health, not keeping your phone in your pocket where the EMF is just getting right in there and damaging that DNA. There's plenty plenty of things that can be done to really improve overall health for the male as well as just for improving that DNA integrity and the general overall integrity of the sperm. Oh, I've never thought about the golfing one. That's a good one. Yeah, there's a few male sports that sometimes need to be put on hold for a few months until there is a positive pregnancy test. But yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate, but you know. Well, it usually goes hand in hand with lots of drinking. So probably a good thing to just put on hold for a while anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about nutrition. So I have top five preconception foods. And obviously there's a lot more detail into this, but let's just give our top five. Can I just interject here for a second? I just want to tell everyone about how amazing you are as a whole foods nutritionist before you give your top five foods. Because Okay, yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so in awe and so inspired by the way that you approach your nutrition. And I suppose I've got this friend who's a wild food forager and she said at this speech recently that every walk is a forage. And when I came over the other week and I had a cup of chai with you, you made this beautiful pot of chai and in there you put some lion's mane mushroom, I think, and some collagen powder and some extra turmeric and something else. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it was so nourishing and so amazing. And I was like, wow, for you, every cup of tea is medicine, you know, like you don't let anything get by without making it super pumped full of nutrition. And I was just like, you're amazing. Anyway, as you were. I do love this stuff. Look, I'm also balanced. I did have a packet of chips on my way home yesterday from the servo. That's a rarity, but just to know I am balanced. Okay. You're human too. (laughs) So my top five preconception foods for both partners are wild salmon. And if you can get wild salmon roe, that is absolutely incredible, but very hard to come by and extremely expensive. Can you explain to people about supermarket salmon? Yes, absolutely. So supermarket salmon, if you're, I actually say completely avoid it. So it is farmed and the things that they feed, the farmed salmon is absolutely disgraceful. It'll be full of antibiotics, even the farmed that is in the ocean, which has another name, but also the amount of salmon they have in there. They basically just want to pump them up so that they get really big, really quickly, and then get them out and start selling them. So it's just full of a heap of toxic things, generally a lot of estrogen because they usually feed them with a lot of soy. It's been linked with diabetes. Mm. So just farmed salmon because everyone's so mental about salmon and I get it. It's delicious and I love it too. But just farm salmon and the amount of persistent organic pollutants in there has been linked with diabetes. So it can actually cause metabolic syndrome, like metabolic dysfunction inside of your body. So it's actually best just a few choices between supermarket salmon, farm salmon and no salmon. 
Choose no salmon. No salmon. Yeah. And they usually color it. So if you have a look at supermarket salmon and then go and find yourself some wild salmon, which is becoming definitely more available. Even our local health food store has it now and our local butcher, which is amazing. It is a distinctly different color. And I remember that being the first thing I noticed when I started having wild salmon. I was like, wow, the color is so different and the taste and everything. Wild salmon, not farmed. Wild salmon has three times the omegas of your normal fish. It is so full of abundant nutrients that you're just not going to get in the farm salmon. So yes, I'm an avoid farmed at all costs. Uh, And then the next is, so wild salmon eggs, obviously organic or pasture raised. And my third is green leafy vegetables and cruciferous vegetables. We want to be really focusing on um, supporting the gut health as well when we're looking at consuming cruciferous vegetables. And then... What are cruciferous vegetables for our listeners? So cruciferous vegetables are... There's quite a massive list, but I guess the more common ones are cabbage, cauliflower, kale, spinach, mustard greens, Brussels sprouts, broccoli. Broccoli is a big one. Broccoli is my favorite and I always forget that. And broccoli sprouts are actually my favorite. So they're like a concentrated form of um, cruciferous vegetables and you can actually do them yourself they're so easy just get some seed put it in a little tray and wait till it sprouts and then cut it off and it's also a really good one for the whole fam because it doesn't really taste and you can kind of put those sprouts on anything and it's a living food full of all amazing enzymes as well yeah, and it's super high in the glucoraphanins and the sulforaphane and the chemical components that help with hormonal detoxification, yeah? Is that yes. right? Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. our body is constantly detoxing the hormones and our liver and our gut and our colon play a really big part in that. But often we do um, recycle some of them and they can become a more toxic form when they're recycled. So these cruciferous vegetables basically help to get them out of the body. My next is fermented foods. If you can be doing those yourself, great. Once you get into a little routine with them, a lot of them are really easy to make your own kefir, to make your own coconut yogurt to make some bread is a little bit more tedious but there's some really great recipes that actually aren't that hard so if you can be getting fermented foods i say daily is a really great addition to anyone's life i believe my last one is liver so chicken or beef liver and if you can have it in a pate delicious but there are a lot of brands now that make the capsule form of liver which is great so really good source of iron folate vitamin a heap of micronutrients b12 b12 zinc copper yes all the things sort of like a superfood isn't it liver absolutely and i guess on that now that you've just said superfood for the male and even the female zinc so oysters are a really great one too yeah and what about vegetarian sources of zinc do you recommend those as well I usually, to be honest, just because I think the soil is so depleted in zinc, yes, you can be getting some from your nuts and seeds, but I generally, if they're vegetarian or vegan, will go to a supplement form or try and get them to be having, even there's a great, some great oyster supplements, Mm. try and get them to be at least having that. Yeah. It's nice that there's those whole food supplements available now too, for those really nutrient dense foods where we can easily get a hold of oyster capsules and beef liver capsules and if you don't like eating liver if you haven't been brought up eating organ meat it can be a little bit of a hard swallow so having the capsules available is really handy way to super boost your nutrition in a whole foods way 
Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about the preconception time that we can recommend for our listeners? Good sex. Is there some sexy, sexy times you can recommend? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, look, just take it really light and make it a really fun time too. So try not to be too serious and going back to what you said at the start, you know, really get into your body and try and get out of the head. Maybe like some beautiful movement or dance, some great sex, but when you're in the preconception, try not to get pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Try and wait until it's time, but it is a really nice time to connect. You know, if you're in a loving relationship and that's how you're doing your fertility, it's a really nice time to maybe some good oral sex, some great oral sex, (laughs) just some really good practice sex, some tantra into that, but really connecting with your partner. Maybe Mm. it's doing crosswords or a backgammon. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's like, instead of just being off in your separate worlds, doing your work, coming home, watching a TV show at night, turn the TV off and just spend some real time together and let your energies fuse because they're about to fuse in a major, major way. And it's really nice if they can feel really relaxed in each other's space. And I think it's a really nice time also when we have both partners doing the preconception care together for you to feel really supported by each other as well. I think that's even really important. And I do say this even to my same sex couples, having the other partner actually do this as well, just in terms of support. And also what are they going to get out of it? Right. If they're not the one that's going to be pregnant, they're going to feel great. They're going to feel healthy and they're going to go through the postpartum as much as you are. So it's going to set them up for the postpartum time also so that they're feeling energized and great because most likely they're going to get a little bit of sleep deprivation. (laughs) Yeah. We all getting sleep deprivation for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably it for us for today. We do like to end it with something cute and funny that our kids have said. Can you go first today, please? Yeah, sure. I actually don't have too much that I can think of, except that my two-year-old is hilarious at the moment because he's not speaking too much. And as much as I try not to compare, I do think, oh my gosh, my four-year-old at this time was speaking a lot. So I guess we've been trying to support him a little bit with like saying oh can you say this can you say that so yesterday I was at a friend's house and he was playing with a truck and I said can you say truck and he looks at me and goes oh no (laughs) I was like okay all right (laughs) will not perform I love it Well, again, in my theme of being embarrassing myself for everybody else's pleasure, my kid thing is also just embarrassing myself. My four and a half year old daughter was saying to me the other day, she goes, and she said, what are those sticks coming out from your eyes? And I thought, oh God, have I been wearing makeup? Have I got leftover makeup from yesterday or something? And she said, what are those lines coming out from your eyes? And I was like, these ones, when I smile, telling their wrinkles, when you smile a lot, (laughs) And you go in the sun, you get wrinkles. And she goes, you've got little crack lines in there. And I was like, it's not from taking crack, mate. It's just from going in the sun. And I don't mind a good giggle. But anyway, I thought it was a good one. I love how they point out all that. You're like, yeah, thanks, bud. All right, everybody, have a beautiful day. And if you would like to jump on our website and dive a little bit deeper into preconception, we have amazing preconception programs. So just jump on and book yourself in for a complimentary call or an initial fertility consult and we'll support you on this amazing journey. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, sexy hormoners, that's it for us this week. 
please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And if you need more help with your hormones, we're always here for you at The Hormone Suite Clinic. You can find us at thehormonesuite.com or on Insta at The Hormone Suite. Bye. Bye.